Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Dr. William Lee, internationally acclaimed physician, scientist, and speaker. He is the president and medical director of the Angiogenesis Foundation and has served on the faculties of Harvard, Tufts, and Dartmouth. Dr. Lee's groundbreaking work has transformed our understanding of over 70 diseases from cancer to diabetes and obesity. He's dedicated his career to researching and understanding the role our diet plays in helping our body heal itself. And he's the best-selling author of Eat to Beat Disease, the new science of how your body can heal itself. In this episode, we dive into Dr. Lee's work to understand the science of healing and the prevention and reversal of disease through food. Dr. Lee shares all about the body's five natural defense systems, like regeneration with stem cells, immunity, and the gut microbiome, and the exact foods we should be eating to function optimally. I absolutely love this conversation and was so inspired by Dr. Lee, reminding me truly that we are what we eat and that food is medicine. Keep listening to learn more. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff. Deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia. Intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy. Dr. Lee, welcome to the podcast. I am so honored to have you on today to talk about food as medicine. And, you know, as we all know, we need to eat to survive, but you've really studied how food can not only prevent diseases, but also reverse some major life threatening diseases. So I would love to start with your own personal journey and really how you got into the field and into this area of study. Yeah, well, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, So a little bit about my background. I'm a physician, internal medicine. So I take care of men and women, young and old, healthy and sick. And my own orientation has always been to sort of get, keep people well. And when individuals get sick, which happens to all of us from time to time, my goal has always been to actually get people back to health. And so that's been my, I mean, even though I'm trained to run ICUs and emergency rooms, my feeling has always been, you know, I've been always oriented towards wellness Before I went to medical school, I actually did a gap year between college and med school, and I went to the Mediterranean, and I embedded myself there, lived there, because I was so fascinated by cultures that embraced food as very much part of their lifestyle. They weren't eating to live for survival. They were living to eat because it gave them joy. I I thought that was so fascinating. And, and, I, uh, and this is long before the blue zones and people became, their Mediterranean diet became popular. So I was very interested in understanding better the role of ingredients, how people approach them, how ingredients were combined, how they got, how uh, recipes got passed on through the generations. And of course, how people can see, considered the role of food in their basic health. And so even this was long before medical school. So Before I learned how to write a prescription, before I knew how to dose an antibiotic, I was already very much oriented towards, um, I wouldn't say nutrition, I would say 
the, the role of food in a healthy life. And then the other thing is I'm a, I'm a research scientist. I spent uh, 30 years uh, in the lab and in the clinic studying blood vessels. And the reason it brought, I, I was interested in blood vessels is I was fascinated by looking at common denominators of disease. If you talk to most research scientists today in medical research, what they do is they take, they, they study important things. They take one piece of something, maybe a cancer gene, like an inch wide, and then they go a mile deep. And look, that's an incredible thing if you're interested in science and it contributes to our human collective human knowledge. But what I was really interested in is really looking at how are all the diseases linked together? What were the common denominators of disease? And so that's what I spent my time doing. And blood vessels happen to be one of those common links. And that led me later to actually figure out how do we tie all this together? Now, there's one more piece of my story, which brings me to food as medicine, which is I run a nonprofit organization called the Angiogenesis Foundation. And what we do, we started doing uh, 27 years ago is working with biotech to try to develop the latest, best treatments for cancer, heart disease, diabetes, uh, wound healing. And we are very successful. And, you know, like I, I've been, I've had been hands-on in helping to develop 41 FDA approved new treatments. Wow. And we had to kind of invent new ways to actually even study these medicines. And what I realized along the way with my background was that treating disease is important and wonderful when it works, but the biggest opportunity was missed, which is to prevent disease in the first place. And that kind of brings me back to this whole idea of wellness. And I could never forget what I learned and what I was exposed to and what I, what I, how I lived um, when I was in the Mediterranean, I also spent time in Asia and how food was sort of this surround sound uh, that lived in harmony with the idea of wellness. So uh, what I did is, you know, I continued to work on new treatments, new biotech treatments. So we're working on all kinds of really advanced things right now. But I realized one of the criticisms about nutrition was the lack of evidence. So what I did is I thought, well, since I was involved with developing some of the testing systems for drug development, why don't we just throw foods into those same systems? So I'm actually a guy who unexpectedly found myself studying food as medicine, literally. So we, we, we can test foods in the same systems we use for drug development and that generates evidence. And so that's really how I came to where I am now. I'm a big believer in the role of food for wellness but you know, when every now and then, when you need to, you can actually use medicines to do what you need to do. But the goal is to get people off those medicines. And if you can avoid using them in the first place, that's even better. I love that. I'm a huge proponent for food as medicine. Before we dive into the, your book and, and all of that, now that you've done these studies as part food as medicine, as part of these systems, and yeah. thinking back to your time in medical school, where I imagine there was about one hour of nutrition education, Very do you think that now with this more evidence that will become part of the curriculum and that's really shifting in medical doctors that are coming out of school today? You know, that is my hope. And actually one of my missions in life is to yeah. make my fellow cadre of physicians more uh, aware, informed, educated, and importantly, enthusiastic about food. And I think that, you know, it's very important, like for, I think we're at this historical place. I think we're really at an inflection point. Um, I think the older doctors in practice who are now starting to retire, they're moving out of the field of the, the field of play. They, they had, you know, they had no nutrition. I mean, frankly, I, I think I might've had like one week of nutrition in my entire formal nutrition in my entire education. And, and it was and, probably very different than any information that, you oh, know, no, you know, like, today. listen, we were, <laughs> I'm just telling you, there was, there was a, there was a, it was a culture, uh, what's going on right now, uh, Elizabeth is a culture shift and the shift of the culture is that before physicians, MDs kind of scoffed a bit at nutrition. They're like, yeah, it's not drugs. You don't prescribe, you know, it's a soft science. There's not a lot of evidence. And by the way, we've got people who are dietitians who handle that stuff. Doctors handle 
the heart open heart surgery and the brain surgery and all that other stuff. Well, little do we know, honestly, that you know, if you if you into, folded everything together, it really helps us do better. Everyone can actually do better with it. So what's happening now, though, as I'm telling you, the the, the older generation is moving out of the field of play. They're retiring. Some of them are gone, frankly. And there's a new generation of people who are going into medical school. And even if they were not taught, even if they're not yet taught formally nutrition in their curriculum, they are learning on their own. They're watching your podcast. They are actually reading my book. They are actually engaged themselves. And that to me is the most important thing. If you care yourself deeply if you walk the walk, then when you're a doctor, you're able to talk the talk. And I think that's really where the, the, the change is happening. So I'm actually very optimistic. And, you know, anybody who has an opportunity that they think I can contribute to helping to educate doctors, like I'm absolutely there. Yeah, it's so exciting to see that shift. And certainly it feels like COVID silver lining is, you know, just an overall shift from everybody wanting to look at food and wellness and health. You know what? My, st- my story about COVID is this. In March 2020, when you know it all kind of broke, uh, we were all, I mean, this is a unique period of human history where the entire planet, all humans that were living in any kind of connected way, all were facing the same unknown new health threat, right? We didn't know anything about it. We had no vaccines. We had no treatments. We had no nothing. And it was a time where, look, as a medical doctor, I felt, and I'm sure my colleagues felt this way as well in medicine, felt utterly helpless. We had a new human disease that, that seemed life-threatening, was life-threatening, yeah. and we had nothing to offer. Just imagine how frustrating that is as a doctor, right? No knowledge. There was nothing you could put your stethoscope on. There was no blood test you could really do. We just saw like this, this category five storm whipping around and we were Every, doctors are hiding. Yeah. So what I realized for me, and this really made me double down on my commitment to food as medicine, I was looking out the window and I realized, you know, when there are no medicines and doctors have no tools, this is the moment where we all need to recognize that everyone has to eat, everyone has to make good decisions. And the health care that we want to do for us while we're healthy is actually in our refrigerator and our pantry. And so obviously I've been working on this before, but it really made me realize that, as you said, what we just have gone through with this global pandemic, and we're not quite through with it yet, but I think what it did is reshaped us. It rebooted us to recognize that the importance of health, the fact that we all have to eat and that the better decisions that we can make as we are thinking about eating, the better off we actually are. Absolutely. Was it Hippocrates who said something to the effect of, our body has the ability to heal within, right? Yeah. So I well, think I mean, it's you know, like, that learning of we all have the, that tool inside of us. And I think that's something that often gets missed um, by, uh, well, look, I mean, I think that the people in the general public, anybody who's interested in health, you know, you're, you're looking for somebody to tell you what's a superfood, what's a super supplement, or, you know, if you're a, a patient who, you know, is looking to the medical community, what's the doctor, what's, what's the magic, silver bullet that is going to be prescribed or infused. Look, uh, the truth is that mother nature, evolution, whatever you believe in, uh, whatever the science tells us is a really incredible. The human body is hardwired with all the defenses that we need from birth to our last breath to protect our health and how we choose to take care of that, how we choose to feed it it pays us back by, ta- by caring for us and allowing us to live better. So I always say when it comes to food and health, it's not just about the food. It's every bit as much about how our body responds to how we feed it. So that's perfect segue into your five natural defense systems. And you go through this in the book, but would love to dive into what those five are and how we need to be feeding them the best. Yeah, well, so let me tell you sort of, how I came at this as a researcher. Yeah. So when I was in medical school, day one, we started learning about disease and we started to memorize diseases and memorize bacteria and viruses and memorize antibiotics. 
And I, oh, and then we got tested and the test that we got was always like, okay, so what is this disease? And what is this? And I always thought there was the, the real question is not what is a disease, but the real question is what is health? And we were never taught that answer. And I thought that was just wrong. How could you, how could we not have a definition of health? I mean, I literally got my medical degree without knowing, knowing <laughs> the answer to that. Right. And of course, if you ask anybody, a doctor, an athlete, an astronaut, you know, a politician, they'd give you the same answer, probably, which is that health is the absence of disease. If I'm not sick, I must be healthy. Well, okay. Health, that would be, that would be a really hollow answer. It can't be only that because the absence of something is, is, doesn't allow you to do anything about it. You know, like if you say poverty is the absence of wealth, it doesn't help you solve poverty, poverty. So I started to really think through what is actual health. So I told you I did, you know, drug development and biotech treatments for cancer and other diseases. And what we always recognize is that, you know, the, the things that we were targeting with biotech, you know, blood vessels to feed cancers, uh, stem cells to grow, regrow organs and feed the heart and refeed the brain and nerve, regenerate nerves, the gut microbiome, which, you know, people are working on now, uh, gene therapy, uh, immunotherapy, all these billion dollar blockbuster areas. Okay. I started to realize, you know what, at the end of the day, we are just tapping into the best we can in biotechnology, what mother nature is already hardwired in the body. So let's take a look, a deeper look at that. And it turns out our blood vessels, angiogenesis, that's a huge defense system. 60,000 miles of blood vessels protect our organs and every single cell by delivering the oxygen that we breathe and the food, the nutrients that we actually eat. Amazing. Our stem cells, these are leftover from the time we developed our organs in our mom's womb. And when we were born, about 70 million stem cells were extras, like extra cans of paint when you're painting a room. They were capped and put into the garage, in this case, in the body. They're packed in your bone marrow. And whenever you need them, silently, our own stem cells regenerate us, a defense system. Amazing. Our gut microbiome, of course, you know, like I told you in medical school, we were learn, learning to memorize bacteria, must kill bacteria, right? Um, bacteria bad. It turns out that, you know, most bacteria actually good. I would say 99% of the bacteria we encounter in our lives our beneficial bacteria, that 1%, yeah, we encounter not so bad, not so good for us. And yet, you know, here we are writing, writing, prescribing antibiotics, it's like just devastate populations of bacteria. And we're doing a lot of collateral damage. And so protecting our gut microbiome is exactly what we should be doing. Gene therapy or everything's about DNA is our genetic code. Absolutely it is. But what people underestimate is how powerful our DNA actually is. So, you know, just being alive on the planet, we are subject to the harms of the environment. You got ultraviolet radiation from sunshine. You don't have to go to a tanning salon or burn yourself at a beach tanning. All you got to do is be stuck in traffic with this on a beautiful day and have the sunshine for a couple of hours on your arm sticking out the window to cause DNA damage. Oh, by the way, the fumes that you breathe in when you're filling up your car with gas, those are DNA toxins. They cause mutations to your DNA. So well, how come we don't develop skin cancer just by sitting in traffic? And how come we don't actually develop lung cancer by pumping gas? It's because our DNA is hardwired to fix itself and to protect us against those harms. Radon emanating from our ground. How come we don't get foot cancer, bone cancer in our feet? because our DNA fixes itself. Amazing defense system. And of course, our immune system. I, I think every single person on the planet in the last couple of years you know, had, has thought about their immune system and how important it is. And we now know inflammation is important if you have a little bit, not good if you have too much. We know that if your immune system is down, it's dangerous for you. You wanna, you wanna jack it back up to where it's supposed to be. Well, here's the thing. As somebody who's worked in biotechnology, trying to hit at all these, blood vessels, stem cells, microbiome, genes, uh, DNA, and, and immune, immune system, foods can actually do all of this stuff from the get-go. So the foods we eat are Mother Nature's pharmacy with an F, not a PH, <laughs> that activates our body's health defenses. And the decisions we make of what we put into our body can either 
activate our health defenses, which is basically like strengthening us. It's like our, it's like giving our health defenses a workout. Uh, they become stronger. Or if you don't make the right decisions, you can actually damage or even uh, dismantle, take down, short circuit our defenses. And nobody wants that. So what I've decided to do is to set out on this journey to really figure out what foods that taste great, that you know have been used in cultures for thousands of years, have got recipes passed on by grandmas, easy to cook. You don't have to be a Michelin star chef. You don't have to be a celebrity chef. You can actually knock these things out. What are those ingredients that actually activate our health defenses? And that's basically what I wrote about my book, Eat to Beat Disease. Well, I love that what you just said about the foods that we all know. So they're not these like crazy superfoods that, you know, you don't want to eat or they cost a lot of money. You know, they're foods that we can incorporate into our life. So let's start with going through each of those systems. And what are some of the top kind of three best foods, starting with angiogenesis? Yes. What okay. happens when we eat X and what happens right. in our body? Well, look. First of all, it's helpful for everyone to understand why angiogenesis is, is good for you. Our blood vessels, we've got 60,000 miles packed inside our body. They bring oxygen or nutrients to every cell and every organ. If we don't have enough angiogenesis, our organs don't have enough oxygen. They don't have enough nutrients. They start to shrivel and die. Okay, that's how you have a stroke and have a heart attack. Not good. And if you have too many blood vessels, that's also not good because, yeah, your body's got enough. All your healthy organs have enough. But if you have too many... Those extra blood vessels can bleed. That can cause blindness when it happens in your eye, for example, or they can actually feed diseases like cancer. So our health defense, our angiogenesis defense, literally keeps us having just the right number of blood vessels. Not too many, not too few, just in right amount. I call that the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, just the right amount. So, Is there a right. test that you can take that you know how, how much? Uh, you know what? We're still working that out on the research side. The amazing thing, it's kind of like our immune system. Do we know, what, how do we know we've got the how right amount? How do we amount? feel? How do we know yet? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're in touch with your body, you kind of know where you are. Um, if your muscles cramp, maybe you don't have enough good enough blood flow. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're brain fogged, maybe you, your circulation to your brain is not so good. And if you've got chest pain, whoa, you know, like that's, you know, call a cardiologist. You probably need to work on your heart a little bit. Okay. So what are the food, top three foods? Let me just tell you first, just to support blood, good blood, good old blood flow. It turns out that uh, fruit peel is excellent. Fruit peel, like an apple or a pear or a peach now in the summertime, it's got ursolic acid, mother nature's natural chemicals. And what ursolic acid does is it stimulates blood vessels to grow. They only grow where you need them. You need them. They don't grow where you don't need them. They're just one, that's a wonderful way this defense system works. You can't use food to overgrow the system. You can. It only fills in the lawn where the where there's a bare patch, which is pretty cool. So if you want good circulation, you can have fruit. Fruit peel. By the way, fruit peel. You might want to consider. This is where you might want to consider getting organics because. It turns out that it's really hard to scrub off pesticides and chemicals on fruit peel. But you know what? You can also get dried fruits where you can actually get the peel. It's just dried right on there uh, as well. That's a that's kind of like a little hack. There's a company called Rind that might be using fruit peel. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them. And uh, you know, it's, it's really cool because there's quite a lot of polyphenols uh, that are in fruit peel. You know, by the way, like pomegranates has got tons of polyphenols and most of it's actually in the peel. Now you don't eat the peel, right? No, nobody eats the peel of a pomegranate. It's kind of bitter and chewy and not that great. But when you see how pomegranate juice can be pressed, if you want to get juice, you press the juice right through the peel. And, and, then, you, and then the juice extracts out all those polyphenols. Anyway, so uh, fruit is a, is a great one. Um, beets and spinach, both of them are great sources of nitrogen from the soil when you eat them and you cook them in ways that you want to eat them, you chew them, you savor it. There's healthy bacteria in your tongue that interacts with that nitrogen, changes the nitrogen that, that's a, the atom, nitrogen, into a form when you swallow it, turns into nitric oxide. And what nitric oxide does, it's nitric oxide, not nitrous oxide. Nitric, nitrous oxide is what your dentist gives you. It's laughing. <laughs> nitric oxide is a natural gas that widens your blood vessels and your blood pressure goes down 
but your blood flow increases. So that's another way to actually get better blood flow for your angiogenesis system. Now let's look to the other side. Is there one food that's actually really good for cutting off the blood supply, too many blood vessels for cancer? And it turns out that green tea is really excellent for that. There are these polyphenols, catechins in green tea, one of them is called EGCG, that powerfully wipes out extra blood vessels that might feed a cancer. So it starves the cancer by cutting off the blood supply. Will it cut off the blood supply to your normal organs? Nope. Just like the other side of the equation where you can only fill in a bald patch, when you have, when you have overage, um, it's kind of like a landscaper that mows the lawn at a set height. You can't make, you can't cause bald spots. You can only get it to the exactly the right height. And so green tea is a, is a great food for the angiogenesis system. So for all of these, as we go through, how much do you need of this? Are we thinking, you know, a, a green tea once a day, once yeah. a week? What does that look like? It's a great question. So one of the things that I've been working on is this concept called food doses, right? If food is medicine and medicine has a dose, so I'm going to write a prescription for you for a pill. I'm going to say, yeah. this, is, this is medicine X. You got to take this many milligrams this many times a day for this amount of time. So I've always wondered, like somebody says, you know, blueberries or broccoli sprouts, like, well, how, how much should I be having? You got to tell me the dose. So that's what I've been working on. So let's, let's see if we can kind of go through what I... Uh, told you. So fruit peel, you want to have like the equivalent of about three uh, fruits a day, the fruit peel. That's a lot of fruit peel to actually eat. So that's why dried fruits are uh, are a real hack on this, right? Mm -hmm. Want to give me, you know, if I wanted to eat three apricots, you know, I could, I like apricots, so I could probably eat three apricots, but it might take me a little while to go through it. But if I had three dried apricots, boom, 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 they're gone, right? So like, I think that's a, that's an easy way to do it for spinach. It's really just a serving and a half of spinach. It's a very small amount beets. It's, it's basically like a cup and a half of beets, almost nothing cooked beets uh, for green tea. The benefits have all come about three to four cups of green tea a day. And if you actually go to the house of someone who really loves tea, like I love tea and you just kind of, I sip it all day long. I probably have six cups of six or seven cups of green tea a day, but all the data shows that any, like about three to four cups is what you need to actually get the beneficial effects. That's great. That's super helpful takeaway. Okay. So moving on to our next system, stem cells and the yeah. top three foods to optimally nourish our stem cells. All right. So our stem cells, these are these leftover stem cells. First of all, I want to tell you why, give you, give you a picture. Yeah. Why they're important. Why they're important. So before you were born or before we were born, uh, when our, about, about five days after dad's sperm met mom's egg, about five days after that, we were just a ball of cells and we were a ball of stem cells. About five days after that date night, basically <laughs> the, or our organs started to form, the heart, the liver, the bone, the jaw, the ear, the hair, all the stuff. They were all formed from stem cells. Our stem cells basically generate our organs. And at nine months, we have generated everything we need. All right. But we still got a lot of extra stem cells. Mother Nature, make sure we got plenty. We're not running, running out of stem cells at nine months. Like that would really suck, right? So you're <laughs> like, there, oh man, I ran out of stem cells to make the liver. Nope, they got enough. All right, so everything's there. And then when we're born, cut the, cut the cord, right? And then where are all these other stem cells that are left over? There's 70 million extra stem cells. Wow. 70 million extra cans of paint, all right? So those get stored in our bone marrow. And guess what? Whenever our body needs to be regenerated, our liver needs to be regenerated, our gut needs to be regenerated, our heart, even our heart and our brain and our nerves and our lungs need to be regenerated. It calls out these stem cells and they come out of our, they mostly, most of them are stored in our bone marrow. Look at a chicken leg. If you break it open, you see this brown stuff in the middle. So that's the bone marrow, also buco. It's that stuff in the middle. And we don't even know that we're continuously regenerating. You don't feel it. Well, actually you do, you feel good. That's how you know when you're regenerating. And so, you know, all this, the strip mall where they're actually injecting stem cells and stuff, that, that's all not ready for prime time, honestly, to my, in my opinion, but foods can actually do that. So what are some foods that can actually stimulate stem cells? One of them is olive oil, really good quality, first press, extra virgin olive oil has a natural polyphenol from the olive called hydroxytyrosol. Hydroxytyrosol actually stimulates stem cells. 
to actually come out. And it's really quite amazing that they just kind of regenerate your blood vessels and regenerate your heart and, and, and your organs. They're awesome. Um, how much do you need to have? Half a tablespoon of, of olive oil actually is enough to help to regenerate your cardiovascular system enough to lower the risk of a heart attack or heart disease, coronary disease by 21%. Pretty wow. amazing. So not very Such much. Such a small amount. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's the point. Easy. Yeah. That is the point. Most of the things that we're going to talk about are within arm's reach. They're not excessive. You know, I, I, something that really kind of like, um, I always, I'm astounded by, and it irks me a little bit when people are like, well, if you're saying that this is good, I guess I'll have a whole wheelbarrow full of it. That's not how, that's not how nature works. You have just the right amount. Another food that actually can stimulate stem cells, dark chocolate. Most people don't know this, but dark chocolate is mostly made with cacao. Cacao is a plant-based seed pod that actually is packed with polyphenols that stimulate your stem cells. Pretty awesome. Another- We don't want the dark chocolate with lots of sugar. We want the that is high cacao amount. You want high <laughs> cacao, no added sugar, right? Yeah. So how can you actually use something like that? How do I use like a, a dark chocolate? Well, let me tell you, a, a research study was done in people in their 60s who had coronary artery disease. So these are people who had already had heart disease and they had really bad blood flow. And so they were given dark chocolate, hot chocolate, no added sugar. And they were given two cups, two fluid cups, eight ounces, two cups down over the course of a day for 30 days. And they were able to double the improvement of their blood flow. And they were able to double the number of stem cells dark chocolate. That's the only thing they did. Wow. In their that's incredible. That, it is incredible. Like I'm telling Who you. Who doesn't like, want hot chocolate every night too? I'm telling you. And these are the same. And by the way, dark chocolate cacao is associated with better cognition, better gut bacteria because it's got fiber in it. Most people don't realize that really good dark chocolate. It's got fiber from the cacao seed pod. It's good for your gut microbiome. And so uh, chocolate's another uh, good one. And then I'm trying to think of another good one. Oh, let me just tell you one. So not all stem cells were created equal. The ones that I told you about, we were born with, those are, those, that's gold, right? That's our treasure. We want that. But something that's really bad, there are bad stem cells too, that we're not born with, but they're leftover from cancer. So, you know, you, you must know, we all know somebody who has breast cancer or colon cancer and they're treated and they're in remission. It's five years. And you're like, thank goodness that you've actually cleared it. And then unfortunately, year six or year seven comes back and like, wait a minute, where'd that come from? Right. Answer is stem cells. It was little mm -hmm. tiny baby, little cancer cells that weren't wiped out. There's no pharmaceutical, no cancer drug that exists. It's a Holy grail to develop a drug like this that could kill cancer stem cells. Foods can actually do it. What are some foods? I'll give you two of them. Walnuts actually kill colon cancer stem cells. Wow. There's a polyphenol in walnuts that actually kills. And uh, a study was done about with 700 people with stage three colon cancer. And I found that those people who ate, and it's a dose again, two handfuls of nuts a week. Okay. It's about seven whole walnuts at a, at a time in each handful. All right. Uh, very doable. Actually lowered the risk of death by about 50 per 50%. Wow. That's now this incredible. is not alone. This is with chemo sure. with treatments, but it just shows you the power of food, not food replacing medicine, but food and medicine. Powerful. Another one that's been, that, that's a mind blower for me. Like I, what I love about the research I'm doing is that I, I get my mind blown continuously. And it, it just, I just am so amazed that I, like mother nature is given us these gifts that we can put into our food. Matcha, the powdered form of green tea kills breast cancer stem cells. Every woman needs to know that. Every I had my matcha this morning. <laughs> Amazing, right? So we don't exactly know what the right dose of that yet is, but that's, so this is the nature of research. Like not everything is gift wrap for us with an answer, but this is ongoing research. And it's amazing because matcha is unlike regular tea, which is grown under the sun, matcha is grown in the shade. And by shading, the green tea leaves don't have the right amount of, don't have enough sunlight as they want to have. So the plant jacks up all their polyphenols. So they get a lot of it. But then when you actually make matcha, you dry these tea leaves and you ground them up 
Now you get the dietary fiber, which feeds the microbiome, which helps your immune system as well. Anyway, so those are some of the stem cell goodies. So just to wrap my head around the stem cells. So these good for us foods are helping to release stem cells from the bone marrow. marrow. So if we have foods that don't help and are, you know, going against this, this, and what then happens, you know, if we have something. Perfect question. And, And a really important one to actually communicate. All right. There are foods that we now know that are not good for our stem cells. Like who would want it? Like if I told you, Hey, there's a food I know of that will stun your stem cells. Like you'd be like, ah, keep I don't away. want that. I, <laughs> right. I don't want that. Right. But guess what? High fat foods, high salt foods, added sugar foods. They stun your stem cells. Not stun good. them, meaning they kill them off or they, oh, yeah, they just make them, they, 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 um, they actually make them sluggish. They don't work quite as well. So they can't really regenerate. They can't do what they're supposed to do as well as they normally do. They're, they're, they're drunk drivers. Let's call it. (laughs) They need to take them off the road. Right. And so that's not what you want. Right. So that's the, you know, that's one of the things that I sometimes do when I'm speaking to somebody, like I'm, I'm coaching somebody on, on their nutrition. Hey, there's another reason, like someone says, well, I really love like, you know, saturated fat. I really love sugar. I'm saying, look, I understand that. You know, like who doesn't love candy? Who doesn't love it? I mean, we're all kids. We all, we all went through our childhood. Like there's natural things that our bodies and our brains are kind of gravitate towards. But I said, but you know, like if you, if I told you that, like, you know, having this stuff stuns your ability to naturally regenerate, you, you, you know, you're, you're going to feel it. You're not going to feel so good in days downstream after eating this stuff. Eh, it makes people think a little bit differently. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the microbiome. microbiome. Yeah. All right. Look, it doesn't take a lot to get people to speed today. Everybody's heard about, most people have heard about the gut microbiome. We've got about 39 trillion bacteria in our body. And we used to think bacteria are bad. Turns out bacteria are, re- are good, not just good, but they're really good. In fact, they're life-saving for us. Our gut bacteria controls our metabolism, helps us lose weight makes us mentally, uh, you know, our, our gut bacteria, by the way, texts our brain, sends text messages to our brain and, and tells our brain, suggests to our brain to release social hormones and other hormones that make us happy, like serotonin and dopamine and uh, oxytocin. Oxytocin is a social hormone. So like when you haven't seen a friend for a long time that you like, and you give them a big hug, uh, you get a kiss, you know, like from a lover, that the oxytocin floods your brain. That's why, that's why you feel good. Best example I give for people to remember oxytocin when you have an orgasm, massive wave for a few <laughs> seconds of, of, of oxytocin. Your gut bacteria helps your control your brain to release that a little bit all the time, right? Amazing. So what are some of the foods that are good for your, actually, before we go to the good ones, let me tell you the foods that are not good for your gut bacteria. Added sugar. Uh, synthetic sugars, like artificial sweeteners, like this non-nutritive sweetener. All right. Uh, like what's okay. Added sugar will also kind of poison, like overdose your gut bacteria. They don't like that. Then you're like, well, okay. So I'm not going to, I'm, I don't, I'm going to have the diet version with our, uh, artificial sweeteners. Well, that your gut bacteria hates that even more. They don't want to digest that stuff and you're forcing them to, to eat it. Right. So like that, if you had a pet, a pet dog, a pet cat, pet parakeet, pet goldfish, and, you know, like if you definitely don't want to poison their food, and yet that's kind of what we inadvertently do all the time. When our gut bacteria are unhappy, they can't help our brain do its thing. They can't help us heal. They, our immune system isn't working right. Our metabolism goes off whack. So what are the foods that our bacteria like? They like fiber, uh, fiber from fruits, fiber from vegetables. So broccoli, kale, bok choy, even soluble fiber, like from mushrooms, porcini, shiitake, portobello, even a lowly white button mushroom, great source of dietary fiber for our, our uh, for our gut bacteria. And then- um, Back to uh, my, my dosage yeah. question, how much yeah. fiber do you think we should be getting a day in our diets? Because well, I know we're all under fibered. 
Yeah. You, you know, like, I think that that is, I mean, there, there are some recommended uh, quantities of grams of fiber, uh, you know, like uh, for women, for women, it's more for men, it's a little bit less, you know, it's like 30 to 50 grams, probably the real amount of healthy fiber was probably double that. Yeah. At least double that. Okay. And you know, who set these numbers anyway, right? Like <laughs> right. These, were, these numbers that are recommended, the RDAs that were recommended, you know, I would say they were, those numbers are created during the stone age compared to what we now know about food as medicine and, and why fiber is so important. I would say if you can put uh, a good fistful of fiber into your body with every meal you have, you are doing yourself a world of good. Now here are some, uh, so, so good sources of dietary fiber. Let me just tell you, like even a, a pair, a single pair has six grams of dietary fiber. All right. Now there was a recent study in cancer patients, about 200 cancer patients with melanoma getting treated with the state of the art immunotherapy. All right. And, uh, what they found is that people who were eating dietary fiber had a better bacteria, gut bacteria, microbiome, and that microbiome better microbiome help their immune system actually uh, function better. And that immune system function actually helped them survive. And so people who were eating more dietary fiber had a 30% decrease in the risk of death, wow. reduction in mortality while getting treatment. If they ate for every six grams of dietary fiber for every pair that you eat Incredible. a day, you lose by 30%. Amazing. Again, another lesson of food and medicine. Now, the other thing is um, good for the gut microbiome are fermented foods, uh, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, pickles, frankly, kombucha, you know, all these uh, firm yogurt, all these fermented foods. I just got back from the Mediterranean. I was doing some research for my next book. And I, you know, I went to Greece and we had this whole amazing locally made yogurt. I mean, it just <laughs> tastes nothing like what you'd buy at a at a grocery store. I mean, like, you know, we got to get what you can get, but whenever, when you get the real deal, it just is so different. Good bacteria. Uh, I mean, you know, in the, in the food that you have with fermented food adds to your good bacteria, right? So it's like having good neighbors move into a great neighborhood. Absolutely. You know, it just makes it better. DNA, I'll tell you for your next defense system, uh, kiwi helps protect your DNA. That's an amazing thing. You can protect, uh, if you eat one kiwi a day, you protect damage from ultraviolet radiation, for example, or the kind of things you'd have in the environment by 60%. If you had three kiwis a day, okay, you actually build back the damaged DNA. So you could take, you can repair damaged DNA. One protects, yeah. one fixes. Kiwi will actually do it. Um, uh, other sources that are really great for DNA defenses. So these are, by the way, they, they used to be called just antioxidants, which is kind of like a hand wavy word. I'm talking about specific uh, substances that can actually do this. Strawberries um, can actually do it about a half a cup uh, of, of, of strawberries. Not very much no. actually is, is protective uh, uh, is really great. Guava, even if you have like guava, like a one cup of guava juice actually can help your protect your DNA. It's actually great. One slice of watermelon, by the way, has carotenoids that makes the watermelon red. This is summertime, so you eat watermelon. If you have watermelon one hour before you go out into the sun, it protects your skin from DNA damage from ultraviolet radiation. So amazing. One amazing. Slice. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, like, it, it, it's, and you know, these are not like miracle cures. These are just everyday decisions that you make that are actually better for you. So how do those play into with DNA with our telomeres? Okay. So is that helping right. to protect the DNA? Because right. so yeah. yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that. So DNA is all coiled up and uh, protected. And at the end of so think about DNA being coiled up into a shoelace. Uh, in order to prevent that shoelace from flying apart, what do you have? You have the caps on the end of your uh, shoelaces, uh, right? So those are the protective caps. Those caps on the end of your shoelaces that prevent the shoelace from fraying are called telomeres, okay? And those telomeres, those little plastic caplets, um, actually will, as we get older and age, will start to burn down shorter and shorter and shorter. If they actually burn down too short, they will actually, you know, then DNA starts flying apart. So what we want to you do- don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. So things that can slow down the shortening of your DNA, coffee. Drinking coffee, three cups a day, actually slows down the burn rate of your DNA. Quite amazing. 
Wow. And uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, there's a lot of other things that it can actually help slow down blueberries, slows down your burn rate of your DNA. Fascinating. Okay. And on to our last system with immunity. Yeah. So let's talk about things that can actually, first of all, let's, let's talk about the, the, the burn side of, of immunity, extra inflammation. Things that can quell inflammation are foods that contain a lot of vitamin C. This has been studied in people with lupus who have autoantibodies and they're chronically inflamed. You can lower the rate of inflammation by just about a cup a day of vitamin C containing foods, like what? Tomatoes, strawberries, guava, papaya, all these great vitamin C containing foods actually can be, uh, can help to lower inflammation. And what about boosting your immunity to protect you against bacteria and viruses from the outside world, right? I mean, we have been thinking about that. Well, it turns out that broccoli sprouts can actually be useful. So the sprouts contain these sulforaphanes that actually light up your immune system. It turns out that just having one, uh, a tall cup of broccoli sprout shake, okay, it's like a handful of broccoli sprouts that you drink a day, can actually, this has been done by research, um, uh, actually it's twice a day, can boost your immune response to a flu vaccine by 23 times. Wow. It's really amazing. Oh my there's, God. There's That's no medicine. There's no medicine we can do that actually make it do that. But I can tell you that actually broccoli sprouts can actually do that. Now, if you can't find broccoli sprouts, guess what? The sulforaphanes are also present in grown-up broccoli as well. And most people are eating the treetops of grown-up broccoli. Turns out that the stalk of the broccoli has twice as much the sulforaphane. So don't throw away the broccoli sprouts. So you might want to eat the tops, but then slice up the stems and puree them, make them into a soup. By the way, a great broccoli soup I had once was with pureed broccoli stem with a little bit of fresh oregano on Ooh, it and yeah, a little yeah. olive oil, just amazing flavors. So I think that food should be enjoyed. And here's another thing that when you enjoy it more, when you know it does something good for you. So blueberries also boost the immune system. You can boost your immune system by 30% by having a cup of blueberries a day. Incredible. All, e all easily attainable doses. That's one of the big take-homes. This is not one of these things where, you know, like, like, oh, you should have this berry from the jungle. And if you actually have 10 cans of it a day, <laughs> you know, somebody's happy to sell you, you know, you're going to be better. Look, I don't know anything about those 10 cans, but I can tell you that in all the research, more than 200 foods I've studied that are written about and I teach about on my masterclass, you know, like these are, these are the foods that are part of our culture. They're not weird things from the jungle. I mean, they might be the culture of, the, of indigenous people in South America, but I'm talking about the things that we have right around us uh, all year long is, is healthy. Absolutely. So if people want to learn more, you just mentioned the masterclass. Can they find that on the website? How do they sign up for such a thing? Yeah. Well, look, anybody who really is interested in learning more about the information that we talked, just talked about, and, and there's new research that I love, like my mission is to get information out to people as it's being discovered. So I decided to hold these masterclasses. They're completely free. You can sign up for them on my website. It's Dr. Dr. William Lee, L-I, drwilliamlee.com. Find me on social. I'm, I'm doing Instagrams. I, I was just in the Mediterranean doing a whole series of Instagrams, like live on site from the Mediterranean at the oh, store, picking out stuff. Like I wanted to share with people what's actually going on. So look, you can find me on my handle at Dr. Dr. William Lee, L-I. I teach a course, an online course for people that want to do a real deep dive and figure out how to command and control this for your own life. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. I mean, you know, listen, uh, food isn't hard. Food shouldn't be feared. Food is delicious. It should bring us joy. So you mentioned your, while you were in the Mediterranean, working on your next book. Can you share a little bit about your next book and what you're working on in the research perspective. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, the details of the book at a high level. For, we don't want to give the, it away for the, mo <laughs> for the moment, but I will tell you uh, if you've read eat to beat disease, which is my book, all about the body's health defense systems and all 
200 more foods than we, than we talked about today that actually stimulate your body's health defenses and the food doses and lots of recipes. Um, what my next book is a sequel to it. So when like, and, and the way that I thought about it is like, if Star Wars was the first movie, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back is a sequel. The bar is pretty high. You got to really knock it out of the park there. So I'm working on the sequel to Eat to Beat Disease. And it's really about taking your health Take, activate your health defenses, and how do you take everything to the next level? And I'll just give you one word that will give an important clue, metabolism. Ooh. So like that's it. what I'm working on. I was in the Mediterranean eating all this amazing food with amazing people and going to the markets and picking stuff out and, and eating it, like trying it myself. I always think like, you know, you really need to be able to walk the walk if you want to talk the talk. So for me, I like to sample things that I do research on, I like to try them out, I like to combine them. And I think I, it makes it makes it easier for me to actually speak more knowledgeably about it. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Lee, we're going to end with a couple of rapid fire Q&A. All right. The best, the best advice you've gotten in the past six months. Ah. You know, actually it is not to eat for one hour after waking up. And the reason is that is a sneaky hack that anybody can do in order to extend your fasting period, which allows your body to actually have better metabolism. Amazing, easy trick. Favorite words to live by. Love your food to love your health. I feel happiest when? I'm in front of a really great meal. And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Um, access to diversity. I would say, you know, I think that what's really important to me is to be able to eat diversely. One big take home that, you know, I think that maybe our conversation has uh, given people already is that there's no one single food that does the trick. Our bodies are designed to have lots of little things put in little bits of it uh, at a time. And that's what we thrive by. So, uh, you know, relish uh, choice and diversity, make good choices uh, and make them taste great. You know, and, and I, what I, what I really want to leave people with is that, you know, this, this is not about, this is not a far reach. All of us are from someplace. Originally our relatives came from someplace, go back. You don't have to go back too far to find some traditional recipes, maybe even ones that your mom cooked that you loved when you were growing up. They, there was something in there about the tradition you know, that's been maintained for generations or maybe hundreds or thousands of years that can't be wrong. And now science is showing why they're good. Well, that, thank you so much, Dr. Lee, for coming on the podcast. This was such a pleasure. We'll look forward to having you back on when your new book comes out. When, when will that second book be coming That'll out? That'll be in the spring of 2023. All right. Well, we'll, we'll wait till then. But in the meantime, everyone go check out Dr. Lee, check out the masterclass and thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.